All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and on the line co-host, Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you today? How is California? California is warm and sunny. Imagine that. Imagine that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, spring is here, uh, full moon. Uh, so equinox, Easter, Passover, it's it's all happening right now. All happening, indeed. Yeah, it's a good time to be talking about this subject. So I didn't even think of that. It just kind of hit me now. Good point. Yeah, I didn't. I, neither did I. But something something moved us, an internal thing. And that that subject that we're speaking about today is mysticism, and we're drawing uh, mainly from uh, Manley Hall's work, uh, The Mystical Christ, uh, a fantastic book that I cannot recommend enough. I know I say that a lot about uh, Manley Hall's works that we talk about, but this is one of those ones that uh, uh, both Chris and I have been studying for years, and we have we have got a ton out of this. You know, and we kind of did a, a book study on this, didn't we, before? Yeah, we have this. Uh, actually, this chapter itself, this first chapter, would make you know a great subject for uh, study and study notes and a study group. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to. It stands alone. It stands on its own own merit. It really does. And you know, this it's one of these. What's so great about this book? And you know, we'll only be able to cover so much of it, obviously, because we you know got a pretty limited time. Uh, but again, and we're we're sticking to the, for the first chapter, and the first chapter really does set out the the kind of the course of the whole book. But it's one of these books. It's almost like when you, you know, you do a Bible study or you really break down, you know, some great literature like Shakespeare or something, something that really has levels of meaning to it. Um, and it's just, you know, every every paragraph is, you know, every sentence, every word is just packed with packed with meaning. So it's one of these books you can easily sit and just break down and go into, you know, different rabbit holes of, of ideas. But uh, the great thing about this book is it's it's one of these books, and I feel, and you know, correct me if you think differently, but it's one of these books that feels really encouraging, uh, and it's also practical. Would you agree with that? Well, it is, and it allows and provides a path um, of inquiry, and ways of looking at things, actual tangible, practical things you can do, or at least change your perspective and look at things through a certain lens, um, which is transformative if you apply it. Absolutely. And I think really that's, that's one of the things he stresses in here. We're going to talk about that as we go through this, but it's, it's a practical uh, sort of mysticism. It's a practical outlook. It's not one of these kind of spacey head in the clouds kind of I'm trying to escape from life sort of outlooks, which I think sometimes people associate with mysticism. But instead, it's very life affirming, very practical and very grounded, even while it's seeking after, you know, the ultimate ground of being the ultimate spiritual experience, you know, that unity consciousness. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out as we talk. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for all of our supporters who are with us uh, donating and listening to us each week. We appreciate you guys. God bless you all. Um, if you'd like to make a donation, we're at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Uh, or if you'd like to purchase uh, Chris and I's books, uh, we're both on uh, Amazon. Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky, and mine is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And of course, you can uh, check out cosmiceye.org, uh, which is going through some, some updates right now. Uh, so it's, there's some new stuff up on there, and there's going to continue to be some new stuff up on there. So that's uh, that's what I've been working on. 
Uh, so let us get into this, Chris. Let's talk mystical Christ. Let's talk mysticism. So mainly our focus today is going to be on, on mysticism and sort of some of the qualities of a mystic and how you can develop those in yourself. So we wanted to keep this really practical, didn't we? Uh, and make it kind of bring it down to earth. Uh, so we're going to break it down to, to some sections, and then we're going to quote from Manley Hall's book and tell you a bit about our experiences and so on. So this will be a fun one. Uh, let me start, or you can, if you've got it handy. I wanted to just read the first, um, the first paragraph on, 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 the, on the, in the Path of Faith on page three. Do you have that handy? Do you want to read I that? Paragraph? Okay, why don't you go ahead and read through all the way down to, to the mind. All right, so chapter one, the Path of Faith. Mysticism is not a sect or a creed. Is it, a con it is a conviction deriving its authority from the natural instincts of the human heart. The desire to know intensifies the rational faculties of the mind and the intuitive powers of the soul. The intellect approaches knowledge from the outside. It stands as an observer of the wonders of the universe, but it cannot experience what it discovers. The emotions do not exist or fulfill themselves on the impersonal level of rational procedure. They always desire to possess or to be possessed. It is the way of the heart to ensoul knowledge, to bring dead things to life and to bestow its own warmth and light upon the aloofness of wisdom. Thus, as science seeks truth by impersonalizing that which is personal, religion achieves the same satisfaction of itself by personalizing that which is impersonal. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it is, but I always, you know, it's always good to start with, uh, and this is the thing with Manly Hall, it's always good to start with his actual words and then kind of, kind of work your way, work your way back. But it always, you know, I always, always get uh, a satisfaction of just kind of hearing the way he puts things together and so on. There's a, there's just, there's a beauty and an elegance to it. And, and he laid out the, you know, the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? That opening paragraph, he lays out the theme Kind of the style, the approach. Um, it's a really good setup. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It really does tell you exactly where you're going. You almost, you could almost stop, stop there and just go through this whole first paragraph and just, you know, break that down. But we'll we'll, we'll move on. You know, just to give people uh, who haven't read the book yet uh, a bit of the flavor of 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 some of the ideas because there is more to it than that. But that it does summarize the the main points with with it. You know, it's very succinct and. Uh, um, and clear quality to it. Uh, so as you can see from that, the, the idea of mysticism then versus maybe what, what might be called a religious attitude or, or more, you know, sort of dogmatic or theologically oriented attitude uh, is that mysticism is more of an, is an inner path, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a more, uh, how can I say this? Uh, heart, heart oriented, first of all, type of a path, but it, it's definitely inner directed. It's almost, and he, you know, he quotes later on in the book uh, from Paul in the New Testament where uh, Paul talks about the Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's, you know, where you're finding that Christ consciousness, that unity consciousness, that presence, you know, within yourself. And you're starting from that perspective instead of, you know, looking for God out there you know, some distant being that, that we need to get ourselves in touch with. And, you know, it's not to say that God isn't out there, 
you know there's no place where the divine present is uh, divine presence isn't but it, it mysticism would would argue i think that it starts uh with an with an inner recognition of that presence within you wouldn't you agree well definitely and it's this inner perspective or standpoint um, from which you look at the rest of the world uh, is a recurring theme throughout this chapter and actually a lot of a lot of his work and really in all mysticism because it's a personal experience a direct experience uh, private personal through the heart uh, but it's not going to be found by searching out there or finding it written down or following a certain set of rules uh, this is something that's unfolding yeah uh, maybe that's already there he used that term ensoulment uh, that the heart ensouls knowledge. And you can think of ensouling like you would the word embody. Like somebody, oh, somebody embodies the spirit of our school or uh, the embodiment of, of health uh, in this person. Uh, ensoul is the same way uh, that it becomes you know, ingrained, uh, but you're also like uh, an example of that. You know, you're showing your colors. Uh, when you've ensouled this knowledge, it's not just in your head. You haven't just memorized something, you've ensouled it, you've brought it into your being. And through that, it shows in all your works, in your words, in the way you look at the world. But it's it's definitely an inside job and it moves from the inside out. Absolutely. That's a great, a great way to put that. You know, I think even uh and it, you know, it's one of these things where it shows up in uh you know, in our in our daily life, in the way that we treat others, and in the actions that we take, and the choices that we make, but it it also shows up in a certain energetic quality. Uh, it's almost like a like a vibrational quality too that's within us. And so, you know, when we discover this um, this divine source within ourselves, and we begin to live in this more mystical uh, outlook. Um, you know, we find ourselves embracing truth, embracing honesty, embracing compassion, and all these different qualities of, of a mystic, uh, that we end up, you know, sort of vibrating out that positive energy, you know, just as we go and move, move through our day-to-day our -day life without even saying anything or doing anything. And, you know, we've all been around those kinds of people, those, uh, those gurus and teachers and, you know, saintly type individuals, or, you know, maybe we haven't, but, you know, we've heard of them. Um, but when you get around a person like that, you really do feel like um, they don't even really need to say anything. And they just sort of imbue you with this sense of peace and, and, and you know, unity and love. You know, you know what I mean? Where it's like on a, on a soul level. It's, and that's where that heart-centeredness comes from. Why don't we talk a little bit more about that? That mystic, mysticism is more heart-centered and beauty-oriented. Uh, I think, than traditional religion and sort of traditional outlooks are, right? Right. And it's scientifically proven, if that's important. Uh, it's certainly detectable and has been recognized uh, that on ways that can be detected, the heart actually produces a larger electromagnetic field than the brain does. We're just talking on a physiological uh, level here. Um, it may be way more important to our consciousness and how we look at ourselves in the world. We're very head-centric, uh, especially since the Industrial Revolution. You know, knowledge has been a great advancement for the, the human race. Um, 
our innovation, our inventions, our industry uh, has moved things forward. Uh, but along the way, I think we've lost maybe the reliance and therefore the skills of using um, the heart. Uh, so even scientists didn't have the instrumentation hundreds of years ago that we have now. Uh, so they had to use other parts of their perception, intuition, uh, you know, dreams, any other way. If they didn't have a telescope, they had to imagine what it might be like uh, in a faraway place. So this heart as an organ of consciousness and of knowing and of projecting who we are. This vibrate, it's subtle, uh, but it's very, very powerful. And having this uh, heart-centered way, it's not that it's without mind. Um, you know, the heart has intelligence, but it has a different way of looking at the world. And I think that's where, where he's getting with that, that things have been lost along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not saying, you know, don't, uh, don't use your intellectual faculties. He's not saying don't, you know, think, think, think through things and do research and, you know, trust scientific findings. But what he's, what he's saying is balance it out uh, with the heart. And in fact, when you start to rely more on the heart, you'll need to rely less on those scientific findings. So because you'll naturally find yourself finding the right answers in your life to things. Uh, let me read real quickly from uh, from from what he says about this here on uh, this is on page five, and this is not to knock your uh, your scientific uh, discussion about the heart and its and its uh, uh, electromagnetic vibrations, but th this is interesting because he says the heart is not restricted or restrained by the intricate machinery of logic. It requires neither science nor philosophy to justify its convictions. Such support or defense as the mind contributes is acceptable, but not the determining factor. The mind is ever seeking satisfaction, the heart security. Those who follow the dictates of reason desire to know and to conquer the unknown with the energy of thought. The emotional energies become patient uh, of this indeterminable curiosity. They demand no more of fact than is immediately available. It is not necessary to be a botanist in order to appreciate a flower. Its beauty may be the result of the workings of strange and mysterious laws, but the flower conveys a message by the simple fact of, of being. And the, the heart is what is what uh, perceives that that simple act of being, not the intellect. And then he goes on, and I won't continue to read on it, but he goes on to says how the uh, the actual the botanist, as he becomes more absorbed in the studies, it begins to dissect the plan and ends up actually uh, in the end he's sacrificed the beauty in his effort to understand the beautiful. Is how he ends that paragraph, and and I think that's where kind of where we find ourselves, uh, you know, in 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 that materialistic scientific worldview, it, it has its value and it has its, it has its place. Uh, but, but in the end, we, we sacrifice beauty in order to understand the beautiful, uh, even, you know, or we may not even comprehend the beautiful anymore if we go too much into logical scientific thinking, because then that's a, in a world where ethics and philosophy and beauty are not even, you know, they're not even a, a, a thought really. Uh, because you get too constrained in this idea of finding this this sort of material truth behind things or something. Uh, so that's 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 interesting. So that heart-centered approach is definitely a hallmark of of the mystic's way of life. So if you can kind of think about that in your own life, and yes, you know, again, logic and and facts and and research are important, uh, but also to rely on the heart 
the heart's wisdom is 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 equally important and and in some ways more important especially these days when we're so bogged down in this sort of logical fact oriented kind of thinking right definitely it's it's there's never been a better time i don't think because i'm not sure we've ever been and you know i could be wrong of course but it seems like uh, there's what we know of history um there hasn't been a time when we've been so far removed from nature and from beauty uh, and are serving uh, the scientific and the logic and the rational and the material, uh, seeing as believing and all these things. Yeah. Debunking uh, things were, you know, revealing the truth about the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. You know, it's, it's this, you're destroying the mystery and the beauty and the play and the fun and the mystery and really what he's getting at is that you know the organs of thought and the organs of feeling the head and the heart they're almost like different people <laughs> or different entities they look at things in a different way they have different needs they have different demands they are driven by different inspirations and they serve different functions and both are necessary uh, knowledge feeds the mind. Beauty nourishes the heart. You know, the heart yeah. wants to give of itself and the mind wants to accumulate, whether it's, you know, thoughts or knowledge or uh, all these things. Uh, both are needed. Uh, but I think since we've reached this point where we have such a reliance on machines, and just to give a quick example, I it's even, you know, a problem with doctors. I had a problem with my hand and I, well, I actually hurt it, <laughs> injured it, um, and went to the, the doctor and she looked at it and says, you know, or no, she wouldn't look at it. Actually, let me get the story straight. She wouldn't look at it. I'm like holding it. It's pain. She wouldn't look as well as to get you an x-ray. And uh, she looked at the x-ray and told me that I didn't have a broken knuckle. Um, and I said, well, are you sure you don't want to look at me? And she goes, ah, okay. And, you know, and I held out my hand and she looked and he goes, oh yeah, it looks like you broke it. So she <laughs> went to the x-ray first. And wow. the x-ray came back and said, nope, you're fine. It's not broken. She wouldn't even trust her own eyes. You know, maybe there's liability and, and who knows what it's like to work in a hospital these days, but uh, this was years ago. But it, it just, it was so profound in how the first thing she went to was not her own perceptions, her own training, her own eyes was some machine and then she relied on the results of that machine uh, to determine you know, her prognosis and then and then and only after i pressed her she looked at it and then instantly was like well yeah it's broken wow. <laughs> you know so I, that's just a small example but i think that's, no, that's a great example of where we've um you know we need to trust ourselves and our own experience and even our own eyes and our own hearts um uh, and yes, use machinery and detectors and measuring devices to, um, to supplement that and have a, a full range uh, look at things. But yeah. we, we really need this, this heart-centered. Yeah, but trust, trust your heart too. And there's another thing in that too that I just, I don't know why this popped into my head, but so many times when people uh, 
you know it's you know they they narrowly escape uh some sort of tragic thing like you know you hear these stories about people that you know ran into ted bundy or something or you know some some famous serial killer or something and they you know it comes out later that they had crossed paths with them and they've suddenly figured this out and something in them some intuitional you know feeling which comes from the heart told them you know there's something not safe here get the hell out of here and so often we don't pay attention to those instincts, you know, and afterwards, you know, something will happen. Like, I felt like I shouldn't go out today or, you know, I felt like I shouldn't, you know, take that, you know, that trip or whatever. And, you know, beforehand and you had, you know, you had a feeling of it, but you didn't, you didn't trust it. You know, you trust the fact, you trusted the facts or you trusted some sort of uh, material experience outside of yourself or the news or something like that that said you know everything was going to be okay and your heart was screaming you know don't do it don't do it so this is one of the things you know the mystic uh, someone that's developing as a mystic you know begins to trust the intuition of the heart and of course again it's verified by facts and you have to make sure you're paying attention that you're not just going off on you know crazy intuitional whims but you're you know you're verifying that the heart is in fact giving you correct information and it will as you as you rely on it more it's one of those uh, kind of muscles as it were the more that you exercise it and use it the more accurate and powerful it is uh, so trust your trust your heart judgments and you know some sometimes they can they can save your life and keep you out of danger uh, as well it's kind of a corollary to what what you were saying but you know, you really, and, and, you know, that's, that's something that we need to look at today, because I think we oftentimes put our, uh, our, our, ho our hope of security in something outside ourselves, like a, you know, uh, a, a camera, or, or, you know, the police will do this, or something, you know, will do that, and, you know, or these, these, you know, the, the alarm will do this or that to say, you know, and it's like, our, our best kind of defense, in a sense, uh, to keep ourselves safe is, you know, is our, is our own intuitions most of the time. So, you know, not to, to go off on a tangent, but that's something to think about. Well, the intuition is, you know, in the realm of the, the heart mind. Heart mind, exactly. That's the heart wisdom. Now we have to learn how to recognize, especially we haven't been uh, used to or very experienced with relying on intuition. You have to ease into it and be able mm -hmm. to detect what is wishful thinking? What is an old fear sending a message, uh, posing as intuition, or what is really a true intuitive insight? Yeah, absolutely, great point. An impulse or fear yeah. or triggering. Well, and I think that's where that uh, verification comes into play. So, like, you start to begin to kind of, kind of, you know, look in at at the feelings you have, the intuitions you have, and then take, you know, take and take an action on, and then, you know, kind of take note of of the of the results and you know and verify with you know with other research and things like that some of the things that you think just to just to make sure you're on track you know to kind of use both those sides of yourself uh, I think that's that's where you can start to develop that you know and I think at a certain point then you know intuition can uh, can become uh, you know honestly much much more trustworthy than the intellectual mind but it takes time to get to that space so you know don't rush in right uh, okay said about muscles it's learning to use new muscles and uh, and learn them and to use them in a new way yeah exactly great point uh okay so then another quality then in a mystic uh you know develops and mysticism really emphasizes 
uh, is the idea of, of, of non-judgment and, and, and developing a peaceful attitude. Um, so Manley Hall says, the mystic is not by nature combative, nor does he seek to discredit the works of his fellow men. He frees himself from the entanglements which had become burdensome by the simple expedient of interpretation. He insoles the literal with such overtones as are required to fulfill his own convictions. So what I get out of that, and you, you may have a different interpretation, but what I get out of that is one, just start with a non-combative sort of attitude and non-judgmental and peaceful outlook. Uh, two, when you're listening to people, and that can be lectures, you know, it can be sermons, it can be, you know, just someone speaking to you, uh, there's a way to kind of interpret what they're saying so that it's sort of Yes, you're listening to facts, and yes, you're paying attention to you know the, the content of the information as 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 they're you know presenting it to you, but you you sort of give it a mystical interpretation that suits you, uh, so that for example, if you were you know you were listening to a lecture on the Bible or something, and you know it became very fundamentalist, and you know it sort of rubbed you the wrong way, uh, you could still get something out of that lecture. Uh, by just interpreting it internally in, in a different way, taking a more mystical approach to that material within your own heart mind, um, you know, and not getting offended by, per se by what that person's saying or their different viewpoint, but, but just sort of uh, taking that information and, and kind of saying to yourself, well, this is the way, you know, they're seeking uh, their, you know, their understanding, and it's not necessarily my my path or whatever. And you could do that with politics. You can do that with, you know, differences of opinion and so on, and kind of, in a way, develop a, just a sort of non-judgment, non-judgmental and peaceful approach to to interpreting the material that's coming at you. Uh, kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt in a way, and thinking, well, this is their best solution to this problem. We're both seeking security. We're both you know, trying ultimately to find happiness. We're both trying to find our way to God. Their way is a bit different than mine is ultimately, it seems like. However, in the end, you know, we're both seeking after the same source. There's many paths up a mountain, as they say. And so you've got to remember that. And I think that's a very mystical approach. The mystic tends to focus on the universal truths. I think, you know, more sort of traditional and fundamentalist type mindsets focus on the differences and the dogma and the doctrines uh, that that you know kind of drive people apart the mystic is seeking the universal truths that bring people together and they do that in a non-judgmental and peaceful way right right i have witnessed an example of that with uh, in recent year or so the some social unrest in this country and um, dividing lines between red and blue and this type of a hat or this type of a person. And I saw a video where two people were squared off and they were on opposite sides of the spectrum. And uh, they were both very uh, angry and they were making their case. They were arguing against, you know, right face to face in front of each other. And I thought, wow, they, they couldn't be further apart. But that was the intellectual uh, sort of the mind trying to wrap my head around it. But when I got a little bit further into it, I saw I saw two people that were both terrified, actually. And they were both trying to make their case to be heard, to be understood, uh, to have meaning, uh, that their point counts. Um, and then they were the same person. Mm. 
they may have been on opposite sides of, of a, maybe an intellectual um, argument, I'll use that term loosely, but on a heart level, they were, they were, they were desperate to survive or it almost felt like that the level of their uh, impassioned speech was, was on almost like, gosh, my, you know, my whole being depends <laughs> on this. And, I, and then I saw right through the surface part of it and it was like, oh my gosh, they, they both want the same thing. They both need the same thing. They have very different points of view and how to get there. But I just saw two scared people that, that you know, probably needed a hug more than anything else. Wow, yeah, yeah. And, and oftentimes those people are actually arguing for the same thing. They're just arguing in different ways. So like I said, ultimately, you know, they're seeking after security, they're seeking after happiness, they're seeking after the idea of prosperity or what they, you know, what they think is freedom or what they think is justice, right? And they go about it in different ways, they're, but they're ultimately they're seeking after the same thing. They're just, they think they're on opposite sides of the fence because they see different ways of achieving that. And that's something that a mystic tries to do is see through uh, the duality and look to the the unity of 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 what's being sought after and ultimately usually it's a search for you know for security and meaning and purpose and which is a search for the divine and that's something within and that's where you know a mystic has a has a decided advantage over those people who are externally motivated because you know the answers are within yourself the divinity is within you it's in within you know everything and so, but if you start from this internal place and you get that internal security uh, worked out first, then, you know, outside of you, there, you know, not, there's nothing out there that, that can, can disturb your peace of mind or harm you ultimately, because you realize who you are and what you're all about. And you're, you know, a divine spirit having this, you know, this human experience, uh, unity, a, you know, an ultimate unity, having an experience of multiplicity. You know, so, all right, so let's move on to uh, another little uh, section, we'll call it, you know, and I'm pulling these kind of arbitrarily out of here. Chris and I talked about this before the show. These are just some of the themes that we saw. You'll probably see other things that we didn't see in here. So that's why I encourage you to, to get the mystical Christ. That's what, of course, we're talking about today, Manly Hall's mystical Christ. And we're talking about how you can apply uh, these mystical ideas and attitudes and principles to, you know, to basically develop that mystical uh, attitude within yourself. Uh, so this, uh, another big theme he has in here uh, is this idea of, of, of faith and divine order, faith and divine order. So you've got to kind of begin to develop an idea uh, and look into the deep uh, order that exists within the universe. And he says, so the simple act of faith, simple act of faith opens a new world and a new way of life to the human being. The physical universe is governed by laws that must be observed and disobedience brings inevitable retribution. So he's talking about, you know, that there is, this will lead into our second topic after this, but um, the idea that there is a divine order, there is a divine order and we have to put ourselves in harmony with it. Um, so, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Well, that's a paradigm and a worldview or a Voltenschan, I think is uh, the German term is for it. Uh, your way of looking at the universe. Yeah. Is it chaos? Is it random? Is it haphazard without direction or purpose? Or is it a very orderly system 
in which perhaps seemingly chaotic or random things happen, uh, but they happen within a structure of orderliness and also that this order is good. That ultimately, although we can't see it <laughs> sometimes, uh, this ordering principle uh, is, is the right one. Yeah, exactly. And it's purposeful. There is a purpose to, to the unfolding and the evolution and the experiences, you know, ultimately. And I think that's the other side of it is that it is, you're, you're right. It's an, it's, it's a worldview and, you know, you, you could, you could support a lot of these, these, these worldviews with different, you know, outlooks and ideas, but uh, you know, and probably make a case that, you know, there is no purpose, there is chaos, there is disorder, there is, you know, this and that. But the thing is, the mystic goes beyond all that, looks into the heart of reality, and understands that there is purpose, there is meaning, and there is order. And you start from that premise. And that's where he talks about that simple act of faith, where it opens a new world, you have to start from that premise. That's the challenge with faith is people like, well, show show me this order it really what a mystic would say is look here are some ideas you have to test them out but you have to do so with a spirit of faith you have to give them a good try and then you have to see whether or not they work for you a mystic isn't going to tell you like this this is the way it is and you know this is uh, this is the answer and here's our four-step program to you know to enlightenment or whatever it's like, here's, here's ideas, here's things that have worked for me, here's things that have worked for others. You have to sort of, it, it's like that idea in, in a film where you go in with a suspension of disbelief. You know, we all go into the movies or a TV show, we just automatically accept the world that's been created as long as, you know, it makes sense within the story. Uh, you have to kind of approach life like that. You have to come up with a sort of a concept uh, put some faith into it and see if it, you know, if it ends up unfolding like that for you. You have to have a simple faith in it, and then you test it out. You test it out. You know, it's 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 not one of these things. Mysticism is not one of these things where it asks you to believe in things blindly. You know, it it isn't. It's 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 a sort of way of life that is experiential, interdirected, but it also puts you uh, in contact with that divine order. And, you know, you begin to understand and see the purposes and see the workings behind, behind the, 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 it's almost like looking into the, the clockworks, as it were, um, you know, as you begin to, to go on this, this journey. Well, um, you can't be shown some of these things by a teacher. Oh. They have to be revealed. It's like a personal trainer it can't lift the weight for you. They can help you and guide you. But unless you're lifting the weight, you're not going to receive the benefit of strength training. And sometimes I look at this mystical vision, if you want to call it, or um, the, you know, the mystical eye <laughs> to look at the world. It's almost like um, an optical illusion or, you know, a hidden puzzle where you have to kind of look at it and maybe squint your eyes or get a little sleepy eyed or cross eyed. You look at it a certain way in a different angle. Then, oh, then you see the pattern in the hidden image reveals itself. It was already there, but you had to kind of shift the way you look to be able to see it. And then once you see it, it's very easy to get back to that. Yeah, but and you had to go in though with the simple faith that there was something there. Yeah. To see, right? Yeah, yeah, to be revealed. 
And, and mysticism is something you do. It's not something you're given or something you really believe in. It's yeah. Like, you don't have to believe in, in strength training to lift some weights and, and feel the benefits. The, the, the belief comes in the results. Well, how's this going to help? I don't like lifting weights. It's, it's a, you know, it's a pain. Yeah. It's, you know, it's boring. Yeah. Um, oh, weights for a couple months. And then, you know what? I didn't have and puff going up the stairs. You know what? I could carry all the groceries in today and I didn't need anybody's help. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then you can believe in it because you've seen the results in it. I think mysticism is, is like that. It's, it's something that you have to do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, and I, I, I kind of misspoke a little bit when I said there isn't a path or there is no, you know, kind of you do this, this and this. I mean, there are guidelines and outlines. And so what I'm saying is it's not this dogmatic sort of doctrinal thing. Uh, that you've got to buy into all, you know, these particular ideas or you're going straight to hell or something. It's more of one of these things like here are some, like the Buddhist Eightfold Path, for example, or, you know, these sort of, you know, the spiritual exercises of, you know, Loyola or something like that. Here's like, here are tools you can use to have that mystical experience. And then you've got to allow it to happen. You know, you've got to have an, there is a basic faith though, that you need going into the into whatever you're working on you know you can't be skeptical from the beginning and then just kind of half-heartedly go through the the exercises or the principles or the ideas you know you do have to embrace them with a certain amount of faith uh you know in order for them to to unfold and that's why he's talking about um you know there's there's a connection there's a connection between between faith and 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 mysticism to be sure uh, the, there's another interesting thing. So I want to kind of move on to the next uh, the next section. We're going to talk now about this idea of uh, putting yourself in harmony with uh, with the divine, putting yourself in harmony with natural order. This is one of the uh, one of the things that mysticism is is very well known for. Um, all the mystical paths, Taoism, you know, mystical Christianity, mystical you know, mystic Buddhism, esoteric Buddhism, it's all of it, right? So this idea that you've got to put yourself in in accordance with natural order. Uh, so I want to read a little bit here. Um, this is from page 19. So he says, Manlyhall says, mysticism is the direct attainment of the end rather than an intellectual reflection upon the means. We cannot plan growth as we would chart some physical project. Where nature asserts her procedures, we have learned to accept them and to adjust to the situation which they cause. Spiritual unfoldment is also a growth according to the laws of the divine world. This enlargement of truth within ourselves is not the result of a demand or an insistence. It is the divine will accomplishing its own purposes. It would not occur to us that we would have the right or the power to dictate the growth of a flower or the physical development of another human being. We accept the unfoldment of these lives because we are ever in the presence of the process. So it, it's one of these things you put yourself into alignment with the process that spiritual unfoldment is a process that it's like a river that you've got to kind of get into and float on. It's something that's always there. It's always ever present. Uh, it's not something that you have to, you know, go out and find. It's not something that, you know, you've got to, um, you know, you've got to pay for. It's something that's there that you begin to accept and put yourself in alignment with put yourself in accord with uh he's got a great quote too and this you know and then I'm, I'll, I'll turn it over to you but uh he talks about Jakob Burma and uh he's a German mystic Jakob Burma 
He wrote that the seed of Christ has been placed in every human heart. It was the privilege of man to guard this seed and to nourish it so that it could grow. So that's an interesting idea. So that seed of divinity is already planted within us. That consciousness is already there. And then, and then it, we're, we become like a, a gardener, as it were. And that's where I like this, uh, this section. You want to talk a little bit more about that at the bottom of 19 and 20, that, that kind of the gardening references and all that. I think that stuff is really, uh, really interesting. Um, sure. And um, I guess maybe to tack on what you had said um, previously, um, that this, you know, natural order um, and being uh, in adjustment to it. There was a, a great book in the late 1800s by uh, Ralph Waldo Trine called um, In Tune with the Infinite, uh, as even quoted in uh, some William James uh, uh, writings. Uh, that you're in tune with this infinite you know, force and source and in harmony with this natural order. And that's, you know, we talked about Thoreau um, at one point yeah. on the podcast, you know, and that's getting in tune with that, getting on board with that. And I think the point I want to make and that I'm reiterating what uh, mainly Hollis has stated is that the mind wants to you know, acquire and understand and know something, whereas the heart, the mystic heart, has to accept something. You don't have to know about it. Embrace the mystery. Okay, so I'm in tune with nature. I don't even know what that is, but I want to find out, and I'll, you know, I'll open my eyes and my heart to it. Whereas, you know, you're talking about the suspension of disbelief when you walk into a movie. I think that's where faith is. It's like a two, there's kind of two parts to it. One is being able to set aside what it is you think you know about life and everything else. Uh, just for a moment, you know, put that on pause and then also be open at the same time, be open to a new experience. And that's kind of where faith is because you can't really project faith if you're holding on. Uh, to fact and reason and you know, knowledgeable understanding uh, or the, the urge to understand something. You're not really embracing a mystery if you're trying to figure it out. It's like when I, this, I don't know what else to say. It's like women. <laughs> Some, you know, and then I'm a guy and I'm just going to you know, shoot me for this perspective, but it, it's kind of true. Sometimes you just have to embrace and maybe not try to figure it out or understand why or why this or why now. Uh, just enjoy the mystery. Okay, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but I like what you said about, uh, you know, what you're talking uh, about, Jakob Burmi, this, this seed, the seed that has to grow. And we can cultivate it, uh, you know, through this openness. Um, and he goes on to talk about, uh, or write about, um, you know, there's a plant, uh, like a flower or a tree or a palm, you know, that digs its root deep into the earth to find this, you know, taproot, this source of the, the water, uh, but then it grows in the desert, this palm, and it provides shade and nourishment uh, for a, a lonely traveler. Uh, so it's, you know, this seed that's been planted, you know, not only as you unfold it and cultivate it and it grows in your life, and you become more connected with this natural order, this universal uh, structure, uh, by its own nature is also providing nurture and shelter for others. 
So even though it's an inside job, as you get it, you're also giving it because that's the, that's the way of the heart is to give and to share. Absolutely. Great point. And, and that, you know, and that part of that, like you talked about that, the idea of the mystery and the idea of not trying to dissect everything. And, you know, um, certainly the, uh, you know, the, the, the earth and the, um, and her beauty uh, is something that, um, you know, we really need to put ourselves in alignment with and accordance with and just understand just sort of appreciate uh, the mystery of things, you know, we, 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 we sometimes forget that everything in life is not about trying to understand and logically dissect and scientifically, you know, uh, cut apart and put into all of its, you know, constituent elements and all this, uh, this different way of looking at things, sometimes just to, just to apprehend something, just to view it, to experience it, to, uh, to feel, you know, the, the emotional quality of the mystery uh, is, is its apprehension and is the end goal. And you can't, you know, you can't get there by intellectual means, is what Manley Hall is saying, and I think what mysticism is saying. So yes, that's a that's a that's a sort of a part of, you know, it's like part of the schooling. You know, we're we're obviously what we're doing is intellectually breaking down these ideas, but then when it comes to the practice of them, when you're out there in the world and stuff, you know, it's an experiential thing. It's an inner, it's an inner job. It's a, it's a heart centered sort of a movement towards, uh, towards enlightenment uh, that you're seeking after. So, you know, you, you, you kind of take in the information, uh, the hints, the guidance, you know, that are provided like uh, from people like Manly Hall and the great saints and gurus and so on. But then you have to ensoul them. You have to ensole them. You have to make them yours and, and really put them to work in your life. And that's about being a practical mystic, um, you know, and being heart-centered. So hopefully uh, some of these ideas can help you on your path uh, in life and help you develop these uh, the more mystical attitude towards life. Uh, these are just a few ideas from, uh, very few ideas from, from Manley Hall's Mystical Christ. I mean, we have just touched on ideas from the, the first chapter and lightly touched on them. So you can tell how much, how rich this book is, right? Uh, so that, uh, I think, will probably do it for us. I don't uh, want to go on too much longer, but do you have anything else to add, Chris, that, I, that we didn't cover or something real pertinent uh, that pops into your head? Uh, he seemed to cover um, quite a bit and would make sense when you're talking about the path of the heart, this path of faith, uh, is the notion of love, that uh, a loving, caring, nurturing, just as you would the seed um, to have it grow, um, can go a long way with uh, your mystical path as you're approaching something with love. Is this useful? Is this necessary? Is this caring? If you're wondering about whether you should retaliate to somebody who wronged you, um, or just how you look at a certain situation. Uh, it's looking through uh, the way the world looks. You know, the sun shines upon the just and the unjust, as we know from scriptures. Uh, and that's a scientific fact, as well as a universal truth or spiritual truth. So that's another way to become more in tune with the universe, more connected with this natural order, is you want to imitate it. And like the sun, maybe shine your light on everyone. 
even those who don't appreciate it uh, or take it in or would understand its value. Uh, be giving um, of yourself and your heart. Like you said, give people the benefit of the doubt. Even somebody who says something terrible to you, maybe they, they're carrying a burden. <laughs> you know nothing about as Plato said. So that's the path of the heart. That's what a heart-centered um, perspective, I think, would take on the world, take in the world, and release. And have that determine maybe what you say and what you do and how you think of things with this heart-centered perspective. That's a great point. And thank you for, for, for reminding me of that because, you know, that... that when you start to break down information intellectually and you start to, you know, try to find, you know, meaning and things and like, like we, like we did with this, you know, the thing I, I left out most from the heart centered attitude is an attitude of love uh, because I, I, you know, in breaking this down and thinking about it, using intellectual mind and completely forgot one of the, one of the main points of a heart centered, you know, attitude is compassion and love. So thank you for reminding me of that. You 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 hit the nail on the head with that, Chris. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for us today. Uh, so you know we we wish you well on your path to mysticism if uh, that appeals to you. Uh, recommend this book to you uh, most highly, uh, the Mystical Christ, of Mr. Manley P. Hall, and you can find that on Amazon or on PRS.org and elsewhere. Uh, that is going to do it for us today, as we said. Uh, my book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris's is The Spirit in the Sky. And you can donate to us at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Please do if you if you can. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And as we said before, we appreciate those who are donating and helping keep us on uh, doing the podcast each week. So thank you guys very much. Uh, we're also at uh, cosmiceye.org, if I did not mention that. Uh, that is where you can find out more information about us. And like I said, the site is undergoing some, some redesigns, so there'll be great, more great stuff. So check back with it uh, if you do check in uh, over the next coming weeks. Uh, thank you, Chris. Awesome work. Appreciate it. All right. We will be back next week. You guys have a great week. Uh, goodbye and God bless.